Welcome back to episode 61 of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent in which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler free where I give my overall opinion on the series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive into High School DxD Born. Released in 2015 by Studio TNK, it has 12 episodes and comes about 7 dub. I continued the series in sub. Since we last saw Issei, he's been living the good life. His host was remodeled into a player's mansion. He's waking up from dreams filled with naked girls to a bed filled with naked girls. And was even headed to the beach for summer break with his perverted friends to creep on more chicks. Then devil duties call and he's stuck going to the underworld instead. Which is why I think Issei should take early retirement as the Red Dragon Emperor. Let someone else deal with catastrophic war. I wouldn't be leaving my room with the setup he has now. Kick back, relax, and enjoy the pillow fights. I mean his goal to be king of the harem is pretty much achieved. And his other desire which evolved from touching to sucking to now poking breasts wouldn't require him to leave his room. Playing with boobs being the key to unlock Issei's balance breaker while in line with his character is just so dumb. He would never have time to do that. Kuroka could have killed him so many times over during their fight while he prepared to grope Riaz. His new move to telepathically communicate with biddies giving away their owner's secrets is why I both love and hate this series. Because it's super funny but so stupid. With his upgrade in strength came some new looks. Issei finally got dragon wings on his armor and the shoulder cannons used in the final battle were deadly. Issei for all his effort this season got a kiss from Riaz. He leaned in to meet her in the middle which is surprising because he usually crumbles when it's time to actually make a move. I was down for them finally getting together then amnesia is tossed in to completely ruin the moment. I was left like what is this bullshit. Konako didn't start the season on a good note. She jumped in reckless against the dragon and got her skull cracked against a rock wall. It wasn't hard to tell something was wrong with her, she didn't eat lunch which is a huge red flag. Last season dove into Kiba's history, this time around focused on Konako. Turns out she's one of two cat spirits. Her elder sister Kuroka lost control and became a rogue devil, so Konako sealed her powers away for fear she would do the same. Not wanting to rely on her hidden power but feeling she's the weakest is why Konoko's been training herself into the ground. Kuroka, now a member of Chaos Brigade, came to collect Konoko, but she didn't want to leave. The scene with her crying and Riaz hugging her from behind was great, you really see what they mean to each other. Then Issei takes a beating to protect Konoko and she develops a deeper admiration for him. Konoko being cat-like comfortable on Issei's lap was great and her Issei-senpai seemed even more wholesome now but I was conflicted about their closer relationship. One of my favorite character traits of Konoko is how she doesn't put up with Issei's antics. While that remains true, she's definitely more lenient with him now. The downplaying of Riaz's abilities and disrespect towards her character continued. Azazel's purpose this season is to motivate and push House Grimmery past their limits. He starts by mocking Riaz for not sensing his presence in the club room, then throws it in her face the house isn't progressing because she's too soft on them. His training for Riaz was reading books to become a better leader. At first I thought this was bullshit but after witnessing all her failures it makes perfect sense. She volunteers her pieces to hold off Loki, a legit god, and no surprise everyone got busted up. It also wasn't a smart move leaving Aja the healer behind, Issei pretty much dies. 
In that moment, Rhea has unleashed massive energy, which only added to how irrelevant she's become. She has all that power, but didn't even attempt to attack Loki. Then Phoenix Tears, conveniently gifted to Issei, roll out of his pocket at the perfect time so he can return to do the heavy lifting. The next issue is Rhea's poorly splitting the teams when it came to saving Aja. She didn't even take time to think about it. King Riaz, Queen Akano, and the stronger knight Kiba take on a queen and two bishops. They should have washed that opposition easily. Neither of the enemy's knights or king were on the battlefield, and they still struggled. Akano, with the promise of a day from Issei, won their side of the fight, and Konako's the one who set that up. It felt like a lot of the negatives that happened fall to bad decisions made by Riaz, and she was useless in finding solutions. She also put her pieces in harm's way on the other side by sending Konako, the weakest piece self-admittedly, Gasper, a bishop afraid of his own shadow, Zenovia, who while strong, has to fight two rooks solo, and Issei, a powerful dragon with zero fight IQ. Dressbreak finally backfired when these pawn girls weren't phased by having to fight naked, and Issei got smacked around. The same thing happened when Kuroka easily deflected Riaz's attack and Issei had to step in to protect Konako. He took a beating while Riaz watched. The best thing done for Riaz was having her go dark in the dimensional gap. For a moment, she got her cool sexiness back. The female red dragon armor was sick, but even with that boost in power and Issei not fighting back, she still couldn't win a fight. Akano was made to be a better leader than Riaz. When everyone was teleported off the train to fight the dragon, Akano stepped up immediately to take charge and implemented the battle formation. I've said it before and I'll say it again, Akano is an amazing right-hand lady. But that doesn't stop her from stealing Issei's attention. Failing in combat was sad enough, but Riaz was horrible at seduction too. Akano even outdid her when changing into provocative outfits. Akano gets Issei as a one-day boyfriend and he actually did well. He compliments her outfit, they go to the aquarium, and get something to eat. The purpose of the date was to further explore Akano's history. She blames her father for the death of her mother because he wasn't there to save her, and this caused Akano to hate him. Issei putting his perversions to the side is a good guy and doesn't take advantage of her vulnerability. He shut down sexy time and simply comforts her. But he does get a cheeky kiss for being such a gentleman. I enjoyed both Konako and Akano coming to the realization their biological family doesn't determine who they are. Konako accepting herself pushes Akano in the right direction to do the same. She even takes baby steps to show forgiveness towards her father. Aja's storyline is a seed planted long ago blossoming now. Season 1 mentioned she was discarded by the church after healing a devil. I never questioned who that devil was, let alone the possibility of bringing them in the story later. Which leads us to a real weirdo Diodora. Who continues sending creepy letters after getting no reply? I don't understand how someone thinks that's romantic or appealing. He's also a coward for taking Aja by the ankle, using her as a human shield, and when he spoke about violating her, I wanted Issei to wreck his world. Knowing anime, I thought Issei would have to get beat down first because Diodora's too strong. Nope, not this time. Issei gets the Riaz go-ahead and puts the smackdown on him. I was pissed Issei didn't kill Diodora and only gave him a warning. He deserves to be murdered for everything he did to Aja. So I was thankful a new adversary came in and did what needed to be done. Now let the streak live on as I explain why Ajin and Issei are amazing friends. I really enjoyed them training for the three-legged race, and when he's having troubling flashbacks to Yuma, Aja is the first person to notice something is wrong. 
Issei's torn up by the idea of Aja being married, and a dream of her going away made him cry. He held her hand when Diodora showed up to request a trade, and Aja smacked the shit out of Diodora for insulting Issei. They always support each other. To illustrate how strong Issei and Aja's connection is, I like to think about it like this. When Issei thinks Aja is dead, he's truly lost and has a full-blown mental break before going into Juggernaut Drive. Now, any other show would have the female lead enter the protagonist's mind and calm him down, but Riaz can't get close. In this state, let's say Issei's at a 10. Valley, who was surprisingly helpful this season, has Issei's aggression, but even at a 5, Riaz struggles to get through to him. I think this is not only another shot at Riaz's relevance, but demonstrates what a deep bond Aja and Issei have. I've made it clear I don't want them as romantic partners, I've always enjoyed them as friends, which made his parents accepting her as a daughter feel right. Kiba finally used a little game this season. He made the student council president blush during the battle against Loki, then swooped in and saved her from getting eaten by that snake dragon which belongs as a god of war boss. Kiba also got stronger. He took down Monster Freed in a few slashes when previously they had all-out wars. I completely forgot Freed was in this season, let alone working with Chaos Brigade. As much as I think he's a tool, it was kind of fun seeing him again. Kiba was a main focus last season, so I get him not having a lot of screen time now, but his biggest contribution was having his top shredded by Riaz in the dimensional gap. A male shirt was finally ripped in DXD, it's not just the girls now. Poor Gasper, still timid as ever. He tried to step up in the mock battle against the dragon and held it for a moment before fear broke his concentration. A lack of confidence is truly Gasper's greatest weakness. I found it funny all he had to do for training was stop being a shut-in and go out in front of people. Gasper is very underutilized this season. Aside from freezing time in one fight, he didn't do a whole lot. This just cemented my feeling that his introduction would have been better served this season instead of squeezing it into the end of DXD New. But Gasper's best moment was thinking he was the bishop Diodora wanted to trade for. I've previously mentioned I don't like Issei with a sword, so I was happy when he gave Ascalon to Zenovia. It was much more fitting. She was the only one actually excited about a specialized training regimen and wants to work hard. Zenovia still fixated on making a baby and upgraded from seducing Issei solo to jumping into a threesome with Aja. I don't care for Zenovia or the way she previously treated Aja, but after the rescue from Diodora, she admitted to being awful and genuinely felt horrible about it. That brought me around to liking her a bit more. Roswise is a new character, she's a Valkyrie and attendant to Odin. Timing is everything and I happen to be wondering when the final rook spot was going to be filled. Arena just upgraded to being an angel and is more fitted to a knight's position, but I wanted her on Riaz's board. Then a second before it happened, I said no, they wouldn't, and bam, they gave the final rook slot to Roswise. I was so salty because all she did was break down in tears complaining about being single and never finding a man. How am I supposed to be excited for a new member when Odin left her behind? She's not even important to her own people. I wasn't a fan of how Zenovi was brought into the series and felt Gasper's introduction was rushed, but their entrances were way better than Roswise. Since we're on the topic of new characters, I love the dynamic of angels, fallen angels, and devils, so I was not happy about expanding the universe. I guess you could say I was Team Loki when it came to mixing with other mythologies. Don't get me wrong, Odin is my kind of guy. He checked out Akino's cake while disintegrating a horde of enemies solo. That's badass. Both he and Loki have many adaptations in film, television, and games, so DXD doing their own version is no problem. 
The big issue for me is Goku. I'm not an idiot, I know he isn't an original Dragon Ball character, but that's where everyone knows him from. DXD can give their version the tail, flying Nimbus, and power pole. There's no competing with an anime that's mainstream culture. No matter what they do, this Goku will not surpass or even come close to Dragon Balls, so why bother? They're setting themselves up for failure and I think it was a mistake to include a Goku character in this series. As for production, the animation and overall picture quality seemed to dip this season. It was especially noticeable during the big fight scenes like Juggernaut Drive and Riaz vs Issei. Flashbacks during the Dimensional Gap fight made it more apparent because they look crisp and polished compared to the scenes now. There were also a few times I'd notice a still shot would be held with dialogue spewed over it. It came off awkward and out of place. Nitpicks Issei initiates the fight with Kuroka to protect Konako, but is surprised when she attacks him with poison gas. What did he think she was going to do, surrender? During Arena's welcome party, Azazel has another ridiculous looking ice cube in his glass. Riaz was being a hater this season. Let Issei check out your mom, she is fine as hell. And how is Riaz going to turn down 50 maids for Issei's viewing pleasure? But seriously, without staff, who's going to clean that giant mansion they built? Issei's deformed arm after the incomplete transformation to Juggernaut Drive looks so gross and itchy. It was funny all the members of Host Grammarie spilled their hearts out to Riaz in the dimensional gap, and in her one moment of consciousness, all she said was Issei. Way to play favorites. Issei becoming popular on underworld television, especially admired by kids, was stupid. And being the boob dragon had drag crying from embarrassment. Quote of the series. Nipples aren't the bell of a front door. I have the mind of a 13 year old, so that made me laugh. Best girl waifu and harem. Best girl came down to Konako and Aja. While Aja's storyline was the most compelling, this was Konako's season to shine. I enjoyed seeing her backstory and was relieved I wasn't crazy. She is a cat girl. I was pissed I convinced myself the photo I saw of her with the ears and tail was only fan art. Konako's upgraded powers were awesome before her attacks were all heavy punches and kicks. Now she has ranged abilities with her blue spirit flames. Konako is too young for waifu talk and the harem stays strong with Akano, Riaz, and Arena. Final thoughts. High school DXD born was always my lowest rated season. Watching again now, the story was fine, but a culmination of issues came to a head here. The diminishing of Riaz, the poorly introduced Roswise, lack of development for minor characters and drop in visuals really held this season back. With that being said, Bourne still had enough elements of DXD for me to carry on to the next season. Alright, that's going to be it for this week's review. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.